right, we're in part two of the series, Lessons from the Storm. <clears throat> and uh, I, w- I was reminded a couple weeks ago of a story that I read a long time ago, and I had some trouble finding it, and I finally dug it up and, and, and found it. But I want to share it with you. It's, it, the story is a central figure of the story is a person who accepts everything that happens as manifestations of divine power. And he said, it is not for me to question the workings of divine providence. All his life, misfortune had, uh, had been his, yet never once did he complain. He got married and his wife ran away with another man. His daughter was deceived by, uh, by a, a villain. His son was lynched. A fire burned down his barn. A cyclone blew away his home. A hailstorm destroyed his crops and the banker foreclosed on his mortgage, taking his farm. Yet at each stroke of misfortune, he knelt and gave thanks to God Almighty for his unchangeable mercy. After a time, penniless, but still submissive to God, he landed in the county poorhouse. One day, the overseer sent him out to plow a potato field. While he was plowing, a thunderstorm passed over, when without a warning, a bolt of lightning came from the sky, melted the plow, stripped most of his clothing from him, singed off his beard, branded his naked back with the initials of a neighboring cattleman, hurled him through a barbed wire fence. When he finally recovered, regained consciousness, he slowly got up to his knees and clasped his hands, raised his eye toward heaven, and said, Lord, this is getting plumb ridiculous. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been there? I'm sure we've all at one time or another felt that we've had more than our fair share of trouble or of difficulties. Last week when we started this series, uh, I, rem- I reminded you of what the storms reveal about you and I. It reveals the nature of our faith. It reveals the strength of the commitment that we have. It reveals the level of my maturity, the healthiness of my attitude. And probably one of the most important ones of all of these is it, it reminds us and reveals to us the measure of our teachability. The text that we've been using is in Matthew 14. It's the story of, of Jesus had just fed thousands of people and he sent the disciples on a boat. He went up on the mountainside to pray and they went into a storm. And while they were on the storm, Jesus came walking on the waves. And you remember the story. Peter ultimately gets out of the boat and walks for a little way, sinks and all of that. That's the story. Matthew 14, 22 to 32. You can read it this afternoon if you'd like. But I want to give you some statements this morning about storms. And I'm going to give you four or five things that of, of things that we can learn from the storms, lessons from the storm, if you will. The first statement about storms is this. Storms allow us to see ourselves. Anytime we go through adversity, it has a way of introducing us to our real self. We live in such a cosmetic world. People are bouncing through life. They're never willing to allow the storms to stop them long enough to get a real perspective on who they are and what they're encountering. Now, I've been, I'm a native Floridian. I've been here all my life except for maybe a year or so in Atlanta, Georgia, but because I live in Florida, we know what storms are like here. I mean, wind, lightning, thunder, rain, tornadoes, hurricanes. We know what to do during a storm. One of the first things you learn about storms is that when you go through one, when they're over, things aren't where they're supposed to be. One of the things that God does for us, for you and me, when we go through storms of life, is he shuffles the deck. He lets us see life, not in our cosmetic view, Everything in its right place and everything for a right reason with a right label on the right shelf. But he allows things to get blown all around. It messes things up. And he shows us our life as it is. Not as what we had planned it to be or pretended it to be. 
And that's exactly what he did with the disciples. We see this happening to the disciples. I, I'm, I'm thinking of one particular incident, and, and it's, a, it's right before the storm. They're having the Last Supper. They're in the upper room. They're talking. They're praying. They're, they're having a meal together, and Jesus is telling them what's about to happen. And, and Peter thought he had his life, his act together. They th- he, he thought everything was good. He had his testimony written out, and it was a good testimony. He had his doctrine already stated, and it was a good doctrine. But when the storm came in, it blew that sucker all over the place. He woke up and thought, I don't love God as much as I thought I did. I'm not as faithful as I thought I would be. And I didn't follow through on the promise that I made just a few hours before that if everybody leaves you, I never will. The storms of life have a way of knocking the props out from under us and helping us see ourselves as we really are. It's okay to come to church, guys, and not be perfect. Don't know if anybody's ever told you that, but you need to hear that this morning. It's okay to come to church and not be perfect. I learned a long time ago that storms take away all the cosmetic appearance of life. They clear the facade. They cut out all the junk. The second thing, the second statement about storms this morning is that storms are times of restoration. They're times of renewal if I allow them to be that in my life. They're times that allow me to really draw close to God. I learned this as a parent, that when your kids are sick, they're totally dependent on you. They need you. They want you. You know what? When you and I go through the storms of life, when we deal with difficulties, we don't walk around independently, or at least we shouldn't uh, walk around independently and arrogantly just kind of flipping life off. When we're really hurting in life, we need to get as close to God as we possibly can. We need to sit at his feet and listen to what he has to say to us and let him restore what has been broken. The third statement is this, that storms can bring spiritual growth into our life. And I say can bring because that depends on our determination. They don't automatically bring growth. Storms don't automatically happen this day. They don't automatically just bring growth into our life. But if we encounter the storm with the right mindset, we really can grow from it and grow through it. They bring us into conformity with Jesus. They can bring happiness into our Christian experience. They yield the fruit of righteousness. They bring glory to God. And they can produce praise and honor to Jesus Christ if we go into it with the right mindset. Hebrews 12, 11 says, at the time, they don't, it isn't much fun, discipline, storms. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely for it is well-trained. It is the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. And notice this, when does the maturity come in our relationship with God? It doesn't come before the storm. It comes after the storm. When a sculptor looks at a piece of, a piece of granite or a piece of marble, you know, he, he sees something in his mind, but then he begins to cut and he begins to take away and chip away, and afterward there's this perfect image. When a potter wants to, wants to build and, and form a beautiful uh, vase or something like that, he presses the clay and he removes all the impurities and it does all those things, and afterward it becomes a beautiful vase. A jeweler grinds a stone, it's just a, it's just a, a gem, uh, a raw gem, and it has all kind of crags and everything else on it, but he starts grinding it and polishing it, and after he's finished, after he's finished, it's a beautiful gem. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell you this about myself. Even though I realize that I'm being polished by God in a storm, I honestly am going to tell you straight, straight up that I always think the storm should be over before it's over. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the only one that feels this way. But I think others out there this morning can relate to this. I've never had a storm of life where when God was finished that I said, God, I think I need a little bit more. 
There's never been a storm in my life when it was over that I said, no, I think I want to go back through a little bit more of that. Never have I had a thought, God, could you put me back on the table and do a little bit more operating on me? No, for me, it's about halfway through the operation when I'm trying to get off the table and thanks, saying, thanks, God, we got this. You got this fixed. And God says, no, no, son, you need to get back on the table. We hadn't fixed anything yet. You're far from being what I want you to be. So we've got to recognize that growth can come. Now, remember, the fifth thing that we've talked about in both of these messages, and that is this, the things that we, that we know about ourselves, and that is storms will measure our teachability. They will measure our teachability. So how do we grow? Here's some lessons from a storm. How do we grow during a storm? Well, the first lesson is this. Learning from storms requires a decision. It requires a decision. First and foremost, it begins with a decision. What is that decision? That decision is we must settle the lordship issue. The lordship issue says, God, I'm willing to let you have control of my life. I'm willing to let you run my life. I'm willing to let you be sovereign in my life. I'm willing to take my hands off my life. It's your life now, God. You run it the way you want to. Lordship means obedience. Lordship means, God, I'm no longer going to fight for control of my life. Now listen to me. You've got to make that decision before the storm. In the storm, it's too late. In the storm, it's going to be very difficult for you to see the ability to get to God and give him everything in your life because you're fighting to control. You're fighting to hold things together. You have to do this before the adversity starts. If not, you're going to scramble for control, and the inward battle is going to be as great as the outward storm because of all the things that you're facing and all the things that you're going through. <clears throat> you get back to my notes here. I bumped the wrong thing. If I have not made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, I'm going to have to encounter the storms on my own. And to that person that's out there this morning listening to this, if you're facing those storms on your own, all I can say is good luck. Good luck. Because what's going to happen is this. You're going to disobey at some level and you're going to find yourself in a situation like Jonah had. And we talked about him last week. But Jonah was supposed to go somewhere. He didn't want to go there. God said, go here. He didn't want to go. He went somewhere else. He disobeyed God, wound up in a storm, ultimately in the belly of a fish, and ultimately regurgitated up on the shoreline after he, he came to his senses. We get into more storms in our life because of our disobedience. But when I decide to give Jesus control of my life, give God control of my rights and obey him, when I encounter the storm, it's because I'm in the center of God's will. God sent the disciples. Jesus sent them into the boat. He sent them into the boat, into that storm. Go out and cross the lake. In this. He knew there was a storm coming. He sent them there. But the problem with that is they didn't realize what was really going on. Go into the boat and get out on the Sea of Galilee. When the storm came, here's one thing that they could say after it was over with when they faced other storms in the future. We're right where Jesus told us to go. When you obey God, when you're going through the storm, the thing that you can be assured of is that God, was, he, may have, he may have sent you into that situation, but he's right there with you, and he's going to come walking on top of the things that you fear the most. In the midst of the storm, the waves are crashing, the, way, the winds are howling, and you can look at God and go, God, you're in control of my life, and God, we got a problem. You've got a problem, God, and I need you to be here for me, and God says, I'm going to be right there. Why do we find that in Romans 8? In all things, God is working. The second thing we can learn is this. Storms require dedication. 
Learning from storms requires dedication. God understands what's happening to you and I. He knows what we're going through. He knows that our tendency is to jump ship. He knows our tendency is to bail out. He knows our tendency is to stop. But I'm telling you this morning, stay the course. Keep rowing. Keep bailing. Keep pushing ahead. Jesus knows what's going on. And I promise you, just as he did on the Sea of Galilee that night, he's going to show up walking on the things that you fear the most. Job 23 says, he knows every detail of what is happening to me. And when he has examined me, he will pronounce me completely innocent, as pure as solid gold. God knows my load limit. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you're tempted in the same way that everybody else is tempted. But God can be trusted not to let you to be tempted too much. And he will show you how to escape from your temptations. It requires dedication. Number three, learning from storms requires humility. Now, when I talk to people, a lot of times... I get the sense that, that they think humility is something that is given to them by God. Can I tell you something this morning? God doesn't give you humility. God doesn't give you humility. If, I, let me say it a different way. If God has to humble you, it's a humiliating experience. It's a humiliating experience. Humility is a choice that we make. Look at 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble, verse 6 says, humble yourselves. Peter said it's our responsibility to humble ourselves, and he ought to know about it. I mean, he was, you know, Peter was saying, when I was a disciple of the Lord, when he was here on the earth, I had all kind of times and experiences where I could have been humbled. But let me tell you the day I was humbled. I didn't find humility until after Jesus had died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead. And I'm fish I went back to fishing because I was so sad and I just realized that I had screwed my life up so badly. And then I was fishing and all of a sudden, there's, God, there's Jesus on the shore. He's cooking breakfast for us. And I'm sitting there and when I finally get to him, he asked me this question. Do you love me, Peter? He didn't ask the question once. He asked the question three times. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? And I know what Peter was thinking in his mind. That's the day I began to humble myself. You see, storms can do one of two things. But both of these things comes as a result of the decision that we make. We can be like Pharaoh and we can harden our heart or we can be like Peter and say, you know what? I do love you, Jesus. I do love you, Jesus, and I will humble myself. Humility is a choice, but learning from storms requires humility. Number four, learning from storms requires that we live with a sense of destiny. You know, I, here in Florida, it's just something that we, we understand. We know, we know what we're facing. We know what we live with. Storms are just a part of our life. They aren't the only thing in our life. And when it comes to the storms that we face in day to day, I'm not talking about a physical hurricane or thunderstorm, but just when we run into adversity, when we have things that, that we don't understand, when we go through pandemics or whatever it is that we're in the middle of, they're just a part of our life. They're not the only. Jesus said, Jesus said to us, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. So we recognize that. But the storms are not the only thing in our life. The trouble is not the only thing in our life. We have to have the big picture. And the only way we can ever endure the storm is to re realize that there is something that comes after the storm. Just as Jesus endured the cross because he realized that on the third day there would be a resurrection, there would be an Easter. 
When we go through the storms of life, we've got to go through a death before we can ever have a resurrection. But so many of us want to have the resurrections and the sunshine and the laughter and a wonderful life, but we never realize that we can never have that until we come through the storm first. It's death first, then it's resurrection. There has to be a good Friday in your life before there can be an Easter Sunday. So it requires us living with a sense of destiny. And then the last thing is this. Learning from storms required the prayers of others and the help of the Holy Spirit. Paul said to the church at Philippi, he said this, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Excuse me. I know that through your prayers and the help by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now listen to me carefully this morning. We're praying for you, Jin Yu. We're praying for every one of you that are watching Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We're praying when the time comes that you'll be ready to reconvene and gather together as a family again. And for those of you that don't even live in the area, but you're going to stay a part of Jin Yu online campus, we're praying for you. Every day our intercessors are lifting you up. Our pastoral staff is praying for you. Kim and I as your pastors, we're praying for you. We're lifting you up. But listen to what the voice of the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. Listen to what the Word of God under the unction of the Holy Spirit says to you. The psalmist said concerning God that you have been a shelter for me, Lord. The prophet Isaiah said, referring to the Lord, he said, you are my refuge. You can read through the Psalms. Pastor Tommy's been going through the Psalms through this whole thing. And when you go through the Psalms, you find out, find out a lot about God. But let me just kind of refresh your memory this morning about God, what the Psalms say about God. The Psalmist says that he says that God is my king. It says that he's the glory and the lifter of my head, that he is righteous, that he is my Lord. He is my strength. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverance. He is my shield, my stronghold, my support. He's my savior. He's my redeemer. He's my shepherd, my light. He's my salvation. He is my help. He is my hiding place. He is my delight. He is my refuge in time of trouble. He is my strong tower. He is my deliverer. He is my father. He is my portion. He is my comfort. He is my God. And that's just one book of the Bible. Just one book. That's what it says about our God. When you let the Holy Spirit begin to permeate these truths in your life and you are, you're uplifted by the prayers of, of your brothers and sisters in God, Listen to me. It begins to build us. Well, let me ask you a question this morning. How do I know God is my fortress until the enemy is shooting darts at me left and right and I've got to run into his open gates? How do I know that he is my hiding place until I hear the enemy crashing around and I feel his hot breath on the back of my neck as I cry out for a place of refuge? How do I know that he is my portion until the treasure that I hold very dear to myself is either threatened or taken away from me? How do I know that he is my father until I feel orphaned, abandoned, and left alone? How do I know him as way maker unless I've been in a season where I could see no way out of a situation and then he comes in and swoops into that situation and provides a way where there seemed to be no way? And how do I know that he is my deliverer until I step outside the boat like Peter and try to walk on the waves? See, I don't know those things. How do I know that he's my healer if I've never faced sickness and disease? How do I know that he's my peace if I've never faced chaos? 
How do I know that he's my provider if I've never been in want? You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. That's what the prayers of other individuals do for us. It brings things into alignment. helps us understand. The Holy Spirit said, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he will guide us into all truth. He will guide us into all truth. So the lessons from the storm today, that if we're going to learn, it requires a decision. It requires dedication. It requires humility. It requires living with a sense of destiny. And learning from storms requires the prayers of others and the help of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jen Yu, we have grown stronger through this situation. The last 10 weeks, we have grown stronger. But I declare to you this morning that we are not as strong as we're going to be. We will still be stronger yet than we are today. Let's stand right where you're at this morning and let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you, Jen Yu.